43 years ago today, a baby was born. He lay in hospital for a number of days without a name because his parents couldn't make up their mind what to choose, what to call him. He thought nine months was long enough to make that kind of decision. But eventually they decided that his middle name would be Robert after his grandfather and his first name would be Andrew just because they liked it. And anybody who doesn't know that's me, okay? But this morning, we're here to focus on a far more important baby boy. He was so special, and his ministry was going to be so life-changing, that he was named centuries before he was born. With names that provide an amazing insight into his true identity into his character and into all that he would accomplish. So as we continue dipping into some of the prophecies of the book of Isaiah, we're going to look at this wonderful passage this morning. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 down to verse 7. I'm going to try and allow God to speak into our hearts and remind us and teach us more about who Jesus truly is and what he wants to do in our lives. So Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future he will honour Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them. The bar across their shoulders, the roar of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I'm sure you noticed that a lot of this passage was actually written in past tenses. As if it had already happened. But of course for Isaiah, this was all still future. He was speaking 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Speaking as if he was in the future. Looking back at all the amazing things that God had done. 
And so when he said in the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, he was actually speaking about a future. A future destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel. Remember last week we were talking about the separation of the northern kingdom of Israel from the southern kingdom of Judah. Separating the ten tribes from the two tribes. And this northern kingdom of Israel was under God's judgment. Because for the past 200 years or so, they had rebelled against God. And and they had followed the idolatry and the immorality of the nations around them. And so as a result, they were going to be defeated by the powerful armies of Assyria. And in 732 BC, ten years before the final destruction of Israel, the Assyrians invaded. They captured a number of cities, deported many of the people, and turned Israel basically into just one of their provinces. No longer was Israel a proud or independent nation. And the first area to fall was the land of Zebulun in the land of Naphtali. Those, their tribal lands were in this kind of area here. Along the, the, the western sea, edge of the Sea of Galilee, and then towards the Mediterranean. At this time they formed the border of Israel. And so they were the first to be attacked by the invading Assyrian armies. This is Second uh, Kings chapter 15, tells us this. In the time of Pekah, king of Israel, Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came. He took Gilead and Galilee, including all the land of Naphtali, and deported the people to Assyria. And so this nation, that was supposed to be, have declared God's power and his goodness, was defeated and disgraced. They were powerless to defend themselves. And they were dispersed throughout the pagan empire. And they were left in fear and sadness. But Isaiah's message was that they were going to experience an amazing transformation. Verse 1, there will be no more gloom. No longer were they going to suffer disgrace. And defeat. In the future, he will honour Galilee of the Gentiles. In the presence of the nations around them, God was going to do something miraculously to turn around the fortunes of his disobedient children. Now for us, as we read that, as soon as we hear Galilee... For many of, us, many of us, we get a real good hint about what Isaiah was pointing to do, don't we? And Matthew chapter 4 removes any doubt about it. Matthew wrote about Jesus leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum, which was in, by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Jesus' upbringing. And his early ministry was mostly in this area. Bringing honour and a message of hope to God's people and fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy that had been made more than 700 years before. And so Jesus came 
to honour a humbled people. To lift up those who had been disgraced and distressed by the consequences of their own sin. As Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, Christ Jesus came into the world to save not good people. Not people who had been doing a really good job. Not people who were honouring God and everything they'd done. But come into the world to save sinners. And this is great news for us, isn't it? Because we are among those who know the shame of our sin. Who know how far short of God's standards that we have fallen. Jesus came to bring hope for people like us. People who are distressed and honoured and dishonoured. Who were humbled. Who were disgraced because of our sin. But Isaiah in this prophecy, he goes beyond just Jesus' first coming. And he describes the full impact of Jesus establishing his kingdom. These people, they'd been walking in darkness. They'd been living in the land of the shadow of death. They'd been stumbling in the dark. Living their lives without understanding God's will. Or the knowledge of God's presence. Their rebellion and sin had cast a death-like shadow across their lives. And this is the state of all of us who have sinned against God. Paul says of the whole of humanity that they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. That's all of us because of our sin. But into that desperate situation, a light has dawned. Jesus came to dispel the darkness of ignorance, of fear, of death. He came to open the eyes of the blind. To shine the light of his truth into darkened hearts and bring people into the light of his salvation. I'm sure you remember in John chapter 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And as a result, The distress and the sorrow is replaced by overwhelming joy. You have increased their joy in verse 3. This joy, as I says, is like the taking in of a bumper harvest. Or like sharing in the spoils of war. These days we might talk about the joy of winning the lottery or something like that. Or winning the World Cup. Winning the X Factor. It's a joy that bursts out in in excitement. A joy that needs to be celebrated. To those suffering the disgrace and the defeat of that time, it probably would have sounded such a distant dream. How could they even imagine a joy like that as they were going through that time of disgrace and distress? 
And yet this is what Jesus brings into our lives. The promise of the angels of his birth was this. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Joy. Deep, lasting, unending joy. That's because they were going to be set free. They were going to be released from the the burdens of slavery, the yoke that burdens them in verse 4. They were going to be saved from the pain of the bar across their shoulders and be rescued from the tyranny of the rod of the oppressor. For them, there was going to be no more burdens, no more blows, no more tyrants. And just in case that sounded impossible, too good to be true, Isaiah reminded them that God had done it before. As in Midian's defeat. I don't know if you remember the story way back in the book of Judges of Gideon. Gideon and his 300 men from the tribes of Manasseh, Asher, Zebulun and Naphtali. They crept up in the middle of the night to the outskirts of the camp of the huge Midianite army that invaded the land. And they broke the jars that contained their torches. Not the ones with batteries, but the ones with flames. And they blew their trumpets and they shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And with that sudden burst of light and of sound, the Midianites just panicked and fled, releasing Israel from their oppression. God had set his people free before. And he was going to do it again. But he was going to do it in a different way than they expected. And not just like God. He surprises us again and again. And this is what Jesus did. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Jesus came to set us free. To remove from us the burden of the law from our backs. The burden of trying desperately to be good enough for God that none of us could cope with. He came to set us free from the fear of punishment for all of our faults and all of our failures. And ultimately, He came to set us free from the tyranny of death and hell in our lives. And the result of this is peace. Verse 5 says, Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. The clothing and the weapons of war are going to be destroyed. Why? Well, because the war is over. Because the victory has been won. Of course, I don't need to tell you that peace has not fully come into this world yet. We don't look out and see a world that is experiencing real and lasting peace, do we? And yet the war with sin and evil has been won. On the cross, 
Jesus, it says, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. We'll see this in Isaiah, even in the prophecies, in the later part of his, his prophecy, how this was how Jesus won the battle. This is how he set his people free, through the cross, through giving his own life. And this is the victory that we can enter into today. And this is the peace that we can experience. So this is the promise to these people suffering, distressed, disgraced, overwhelmed with gloom and and sadness. There will be light instead of darkness and death. There will be joy instead of sorrow and sadness. Freedom instead of slavery and suffering. Peace instead of fighting and fear. But how was this going to happen? How was God going to achieve all of this and bring this to these people? Well, amazingly, it was going to be through the birth of a child. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. It tells us that this baby would be born into the nation of Israel as one of the covenant people. He would be given by God to his people as the ultimate fulfillment of his promises to them. But this, this boy didn't just come to be a member of this nation. He came to rule over it. Because the government will be on his shoulders. This child came to be king. And I think this is such a crucial part that we need to get. The people's shoulders will be released from the burden of slavery and oppression when the one born to be king shoulders the burden of rule. They will be set free only when he comes to reign in their lives. In John chapter 8 verse 31, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We can only experience the light and joy and freedom and peace that Jesus came to give us when we bow before him. And accept him as the Lord and as the ruler of our lives. We will only experience the blessings of salvation when we accept him as our king. It's crucial that we allow him to reign in our lives. But this shouldn't be a difficult decision for us. It shouldn't be something that we struggle to to make and accept Jesus as our king. Not when we see the character of this king. This is revealed in four amazing titles given to him. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. There are many times in our lives when we just don't have the wisdom or the knowledge or the understanding that we need to know which way to go in our lives. Sometimes we look to friends or to family or to other people to help us to know what we should do. And that's a good thing to do. But Jesus is an exceptional 
an extraordinary counsellor like no other. People said of him, no one ever spoke the way this man does. So he can give us direction and purpose and wisdom and understanding everything that we long for so that we can live according to God's perfect will. He can be our wonderful counsellor. But he also has the power to carry out his will because he is called mighty God. He is heaven's battle champion. He is the one who has the power to do only what God can do. That's because he is truly God. Remember last week we were thinking about how he's called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this means that we can put our complete trust in him because he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Jesus not only provides perfect direction, but he provides total protection in our lives. But he's also called everlasting father. As the coming king, we don't need to fear his leadership. But he's, because he comes as a father, looking after his children. That's how he comes to reign. With a fatherly reign. And he will do this forever because he is the father of eternity. He is the source of everything eternal. So we can trust that he is able to save completely because Jesus lives forever. And he is called the Prince of Peace. He is the one who brings wholeness and completeness into our lives. The lives of those who trust in him. Through reconciling us to ourselves and to others, but ultimately to God. Because since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And one day he will complete that work in bringing peace even to this troubled world. So this is who this child is. He is the wonderful counsellor who gives perfect direction to our lives. He is the mighty God who gives total protection. He is the everlasting Father who gives never-ending provision. And he's the Prince of Peace who gives complete reconciliation. But how could the people of Israel be sure about this? How could they know that this was going to last? That this wouldn't change? Or even that this could happen at all? Well, Isaiah finishes his prophecy with words to encourage confidence. People of Israel, they'd had great leaders before. People like Moses or Joshua or David or Solomon. And all the people, they'd all brought a measure of purpose and prosperity and peace to the nation. But the problem was their leadership came to an end. And things quickly deteriorated after that. The successes of Joshua's leadership quickly descended into the absolute mess of the time of of judges. The pinnacle of Solomon's reign 
was soon forgotten. Because when his son came to the throne, the kingdoms divided and they warred. They fought against each other. But this time, God's people could confidently look forward to lasting peace and protection because of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. Jesus is going to reign forever. His kingdom will not end. There is no need for a successor to his rule. And his reign won't change. In the past, many of the leaders of God's people, they started well. But then they were defeated by temptation. They wandered from God. They became proud, self-sufficient. Fell into selfishness, into sin. And they also brought disaster to the people. But this new king, he's not going to change. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The moral character of his reign will never change. Justice and righteousness will always characterize his rule. So this is the confidence that we have with Jesus. That he is the same yesterday and today and forever. And nothing can stop him from taking his throne. Because Isaiah finishes in verse 7 with these amazing words. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. All of this that we've read in this prophecy, this is God's work. This isn't man's work. This isn't something that somebody will have to try and accomplish, that we need to try and make happen. It's the passionate love of God for His people that will ensure that this is fulfilled. It is his unfailing love that motivates him to keep his promises and to carry out his purposes. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this and nothing can stop it. So the people of Israel, hearing Isaiah's prophecy at the very first time, they could be confident because God had promised this and God had fulfilled it, would fulfill it. God would give a son that would transform their lives, that would dispel their gloom, that would bring light and joy and freedom and peace to their nation. And those of us who have trusted in Jesus, well, we have begun to experience this new kingdom. Just started, but we have started. Because Jesus has come into our lives and we have welcomed him as our wonderful counsellor, as our mighty God, as our everlasting father, as our prince of peace. But there's so much more still to come. And we can look forward in confidence to the full realisation of his rule and his reign in our lives. And in this world. We don't need to despair. Because Jesus is coming and he will reign. And he will rule forever. But of course, as we were singing about right at the start of our service this morning, 
there are still a lot of people who are walking in darkness. There are still a lot of people who are living in that land of the shadow of death. Who are distressed and burdened by their sin. Who are still defeated by their tyranny, the tyranny of sin. And so our responsibility and our wonderful privilege is to be like Isaiah and to go and tell them the amazing news that to us a child is born and to us a son is given. One who sets free all who trust in him and all who welcome him as their king.